Chapter Eight of the Autobiography of a Supertramp by William H. Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Eight: A Prisoner, His Own Judge. Now said Brum, as the freight train steamed into the town and came to a standstill, we must see the marshal with this end in view we walked towards the passenger depot which brum informed us was visited by the marshal several times a day so that he might the better accost such tramps as were going through that town we arrived at that place and stamped up and down the platform to circulate our blood for it was now snowing heavily and the wind blowing in small gusts that discovered us shelter wherever we would how the snow falls in the north flake on flake falling incessantly until the small dingles are almost on a level with the uplands it throws itself on the leaves of autumn and holds them down in security from the strongest winds it piles great banks against people's doors and mothers and daughters are made prisoners to their own hearths until fathers and sons set to and cut a path to the open thoroughfare special snow trains are at work clearing the track to make the way easier for passenger trains and freight trains that run on passenger lines being loaded with cattle or other perishable goods whilst other freight is often delayed for days and sometimes weeks we had been here some fifteen minutes when we saw the marshal coming down the road leading to the station the bright star of his authority being seen distinctly on his breast now said brum let me be the spokesman and i will arrange for a month's comfort by this time the marshal stood before us boys he began cold weather for travelling eh we don't feel the cold was brum's reply you will though said the marshal this is but the beginning and there is a long and severe winter before you without a break you would certainly be better off in jail sixty days in our jail which is considered one of the best if not the best in michigan would do you no harm i assure you as for that said brum we might take thirty days each providing of course that you make it worth while what about tobacco and a drink or two of whiskey that'll be all right said the marshal here's half a dollar for drink and the sheriff will supply your tobacco no no objected brum give us a dollar and three cakes of tobacco and we will take thirty days and remember not a day over the marshal produced the three cakes of tobacco seeming to be well prepared for these demands and giving us a paper dollar requested us to go to donovan's saloon which we would find in the main street where he would see us later in the day when of course he added winking you will be supposed to be just a bit merry what is the meaning of all this i asked brum as we went our way to mr donovan's saloon it simply means this he said that the marshal gets a dollar each for every arrest he makes in our case three dollars the judge receives three or four dollars for every conviction and the sheriff of the jail is paid a dollar a day for boarding each prisoner under his charge we benefit by a good rest warmth good food and plenty of sleep and the innocent citizens have to pay for it all we had not much difficulty in finding donovan's saloon which we entered and called for whisky it so happened that two strangers were there who had made a considerable stake in the backwoods and had come to this town to squander their earnings we therefore came into many a free drink through the liberality of these men about an hour and a half had elapsed when we discovered ourselves to be alone in the bar and without means of procuring more liquor we'd better be going said brum and we passed into the street brum saw the marshal coming up the road and began singing in a lusty voice to the astonishment of some of the storekeepers 
australian red being the worse for drink and forgetting that we only had to feign this part began to roar like a bull merry in earnest on this the marshal quickly crossed the street and in the hearing of several citizens shouted in an authoritative voice i arrest you for being drunk and disorderly and we followed him like lambs we were then led to the sheriff's house adjoining the jail that gentleman being in received us with open arms saying welcome boys you want thirty days and thirty you shall have no more or less and you will be none the worse for it i promise you at the end of the month he then made a few casual items in a large book roughly descriptive of our weight height and personal appearance and then led the way through two or three corridors until we were confronted by a large iron door this he opened with an iron key and we were ushered into a large room where were assembled between thirty or forty prisoners some were reading some were pacing to and fro and several batches of them were playing cards what a reception we had bringing in a fresh supply of information from the outside have you seen detroit fatty asked one or the saginaw kid asked another or chicago slim asked another brum who seemed to know these wonderful persons answered according to his knowledge in this large room for the common use of the prisoners were twenty or more cells to which they retired for sleep but were never locked in except maybe an occasional prisoner who might be waiting trial under a charge of grand larceny manslaughter or murder supper was soon brought in and it was a good substantial meal its quantity seemed to be more than idle men needed if they had three such meals every day and its quality would satisfy me in any position in life what a pleasure it was that night to be in warmth and with our minds eased of a month's anxiety what time are you going to do asked one thirty days answered brum plenty said the other there is more jails than this and not much difference in them and to go out in the cold for a day or two makes us better appreciate the warmth and comfort within next morning we were taken by the sheriff to the courthouse where a number of town people were assembled owing to the more interesting trial of a local man i have often thought with amusement of this scene despite the judge's severe expression and his solemn deliberate utterance we knew what to expect thirty days no more or less the sheriff whispered to the judge and the judge nodded sagely at the same time casting his eyes in our direction we were charged with being drunk and disorderly and with disturbing the public peace he did not see he said why peaceable citizens should be disturbed in this way by drunken strangers and would fine us seven dollars and costs in default of which we would be lodged in the county jail for thirty days we were then led back by the sheriff and when we were again among the prisoners they seemed to express very little curiosity as to our sentences knowing it was our wish that we should receive thirty days and that the judge was at our pleasure we being in fact our own judges every morning the sheriff required half a dozen prisoners to sweep and clean the courthouse which was situated about half a mile from the jail australian red and myself went with him several mornings for a little fresh air but prisoners could please themselves and brum i know never left the jail during the whole thirty days it was an understood thing that any prisoner could discharge himself on these occasions if inclined without any fear of capture the marshal and the judge had had their dollars for arrest and conviction and i suppose the sheriff charged for board and lodging without mention of a prisoner's escape perhaps they were afraid of bringing back an escaped prisoner for fear he might make some awkward disclosures at any rate liberty could be had by a very deliberate walk 
and there was certainly no need to make a desperate dash for it of course there was no reason why any prisoner should seek to escape these conditions which were of his own seeking and which during this unpleasant time of the year could not in any way be bettered by homeless men after serving our sentence and the sheriff exacting a promise from us to return again that winter if not the following we saw another jail some twenty miles from the last which prisoners had spoken highly of we were told that there was no necessity at this place of going through the form of an arrest but that we could go straight in out of the cold the sheriff would at once receive us at his house learn our wants while the judge would attend to us on the following morning we arrived at this place and everything turned out as described the jail was no different from the other we were catered for as customers that would if treated with courtesy and good living return winter after winter and patronize this place in preference to visiting the more congenial climate of the south at this place we sentenced ourselves to another thirty days our room like the other was a large iron cage in which were twenty-four cells in a double row main floor and gallery like little cages within it as we entered this large cage the sheriff opening the iron door a number of jailbirds were singing merrily not for liberty but enjoying such captivity there was only one real prisoner here who was waiting trial under a charge of manslaughter and he was the only prisoner to be locked in his cell at night and in that cell had waited trial a most cold-blooded murderer here we had the usual amusements of card-playing singing and relating experiences the real prisoner for none of the others had been guilty of any offence having entered of their own free will was very unfortunate in having a pair of wags quartered in the cell above him these two practical jokers made a figure of their bedclothes and letting it down dangled it in front of this prisoner's cell the poor wretch happening to be awake and thinking this was bill henderson murderer and late occupant of the cell come to haunt him leaped from his bed crying with a horror-stricken voice bill henderson by god before he could recover from his fear and make a more calm investigation the figure was withdrawn all this happened as expected and the prisoners were delighted for they had been hinting all day about bill henderson's ghost so that it might take hold of this poor wretch's nerves only once during the night was this accomplished so that their victim might have no suspicion as to its being a genuine ghost every time the sheriff appeared the prisoner complained to him of this ghost murderer pleading for a removal or an early trial that gentleman invariably listened with a sarcastic smile seeming to have some notion of the truth by glancing at the faces of the other prisoners how these sheriffs marshals and constables despise cowardice and how they respect the intrepidity of dangerous men many a sheriff i believe has surrendered his prison keys to the lynchers and the lawless mobs forgetting his duty in disgust at the exhibition of fear in one for whom he is responsible and many a sheriff would lay down his life to protect a criminal who with cool nerve faces his cell callous and indifferent we visited and were entertained in several jails during this winter and emerged from the last in the middle of april i have heard since that this system of boodle as it was called was in the following winter entirely squashed a sheriff it seemed being of an avaricious disposition had interfered with the quality and quantity of the prisoners rations therefore when respectable citizens visited the jail to speak a few sympathetic words to the prisoners which they usually did on sunday 
those discontented jailbirds complained of insufficient picking and informed the citizens that they had been guilty of no offence that they had entered the jail through being promised enjoyment and that those expectations had not been realized on hearing this the citizens formed a committee and soon discovered the whole system to be rotten seeing how they had been robbed they deposed several officers and the upshot of it was that travellers never again visited that part of america in quest of comfortable jails for a day or two the least exertion tired us owing to our winter's inactivity but take it all in all we were certainly in good bodily condition it was now that australian red made his first proposal he knew a fruit farm where he had been previously employed in this very state said he on the shores of lake michigan how long does the work last i asked all the summer he answered and good pay for an active man all right i said if i can make a pretty fair stake i shall then return to england and home brum agreeing to this we lit a fire that evening near a water tank intending to take the first freight train that came our way when the train arrived we still dallied at the fire which was a considerable distance from the track it whistled before we expected and began its journey break away cried australian red making a rush for the departing train the speed of the train was increasing and when i reached its side i was almost afraid to attempt to board it australian red succeeded but when we reached the next stopping place we were greatly disappointed to find that brum had been left behind we got off and waited the arrival of other trains thinking that he would soon follow us but as brum did not appear on any of them we continued our journey thinking to see him later i never saw him again he had complained of the year not being sufficiently aired for freedom and had proposed another short term in jail no doubt after losing us he had done this end of chapter eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine